Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. Welcome to Say What. It is February 10th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard and Walt Silva and Jan Shaw. And as I was saying, we're having a weak internet on Nancy's side, so we're hoping that this doesn't cut out too much. Um, if it does, just hang in with us. It seems to be intermittent and, you know, just one of those crazy-ass things. What can I tell you? Um all right, so uh, Dolly, how are you tonight? <laughs> doing good here. How are you doing? Besides the interruption of the connection. Well, I've had a good day with the guests. We haven't done anything. Peter and I just sat around talking, so that's good. <laughs> and his wife went over to Sandy's, and I don't know. They've been looking, watching movies or something. So. Oh, bless your hearts. Yep, but I didn't get anything prepared for today, so I'm glad you got a list that we will get to right away. But it's and, not very big, Nancy. But we've got Jan Shaw with us. Yeah, well, you know, true, you just, yes. you just, she, she, I, just, she talks about anything and everything. She's, uh, <laughs> she, she's almost as, she's almost as good as we are, Dolly. But you know, she, yeah. she's younger than we are. Give her a little more time. <laughs> yeah, more experience. She's a life. British correspondent. So she's, of course, she's excellent. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Walt. <laughs> Are you oh, calling my. me a chatterbox? <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, I make a joke out of it, but the fact of the matter is, is that it, it, it's exactly what we need. <laughs> Somebody that can keep talking. I just give you a, <laughs> hey, listen to this one, do that. You know, what do you think of this? And boom, off you go. And um, I deeply appreciate it. Because that keeps the show going and everybody is happy. Thank you. So, and so Jan. Walt, oh, I'm sorry. We, we haven't said anything to Walt yet. Walt, hi. Oh. Hello, everybody. How are you? How's well, this fine Saturday? <laughs> it, it is Saturday. <laughs> that, and it seems to be fine. Um, but anyway. Okay, Dolly, go ahead, ask. ask Hang on, Jan. I haven't said hello yet. Oh, you haven't. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I was interrupting you, but I didn't say hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, Lovely to be here again, and thank you also for being here, too. We very much appreciate you. Yes, we do. Dolly. Jan, did you uh, listen to the whole two hours of Tucker and Putin? I didn't listen to all of it. I listened to about the first hour or so. Um, and I did get the transcript printed off. And I picked up the key points from it, but I didn't get a chance to listen to the second half, I'm afraid. Hmm. I didn't listen. I mean, I went there and I saw it's two hours and I heard Tucker say he goes around for about 30 minutes explaining the history of Russia. And I thought... Oh, this is not for me. <laughs> it was very good, actually, because it really laid out the the history of it that is completely um, concealed in terms of why he 
invaded Ukraine because, of course, he's been labelled as the aggressor, whereas he wasn't. He was doing it in defence um, and including specifically the um, colour revolution in 2014, which, of course, was the CIA and Victoria Newland um, interfering, as usual, to remove the democratically elected president and so on and of course the rest is history as they say because you know it was all to do with the NATO encroachment around Russia's borders and I mean NATO is another flipping criminal organization it's just like the UN and the WEF and the WHO and all the rest of them you know they're very nefarious. I never so, understood I'm so sorry to interrupt but could you explain a little bit why it, there is such a thing called NATO? What what do they do? Why, why do they have the, the authority they have? Uh, how did they come about? I'm sorry well, to be they, so ignorant. Uh, just that I've been hearing about it for years, and I still don't know what it is. Um, it was set up after World War II, is my understanding. I've only got a very superficial knowledge of it, but it's... It's the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. So it was countries that grouped together after the end of World War II. And, you know, basically you've got all these countries that have grouped together on the um, basis of being kind of defense organization. But as always, it is controlled by the deep state. Um, Operation Paperclip, of course, imported many Nazis into the US and they were used in all sorts of organizations in the US. And, um, you know, all these countries contribute funds to NATO and NATO the the conglomerate of countries they kind of form this defense allowance alliance is my understanding now um, nancy may know more about this than i do but that's my understanding of it but yeah you've got that you've got the basics it's real simple after world war ii you had the nations that had fought against germany and Japan and but let's just focus on on the Germany situation and you had Germany after the war the east and the west so the west had you know Berlin towards the rest of Europe and the east was Russia the Russians essentially the 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 Scandinavian countries the 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 countries right next bordering Russia okay at that time they were the, the Russian army was there. One of the things that people don't understand is that the Allies did not, did not, did not win World War II. If anybody won World War II, it was Russia, because the amount of German military that the Russians took out was astounding. They just, the Russians made the mistake of going into, I mean, the Germans made the mistake of going into Russia, and the Russians just ate them up. 
just let them kept coming in deeper and deeper into Russia. And as they did that, they had a burnt uh, earth policy. So all the factory, anything that would help the Russians was uh, taken out of the picture. So you have a situation. Well, anything that would help the Russians or anything that would help the Germans? Anything that would help the Germans, I'm sorry. Huh. Yeah, so, so what happened was that you got the... After World War II, you you it was a it was like a it was confused type of time. There was no armistice. You see, this is the thing. World War II never ended. There was a peace treaty. I mean, a cessation of fighting, but there was no armistice. There was no rules and regulations that were drawn up with the Allies and Germany regarding what Germany was supposed to do and blah blah blah. Because at the time, it was very apparent well like George Patton he was one of those people that said Russia's gonna be the enemy Russia's gonna be the enemy while we're here we should just keep going let's get rid of Russia and he was not alone in that sentiment okay so you you had these re immediately after the war you had all this antagonism between the Russian and the what became the Warsaw Pact okay so they set up the Warsaw Pact, and the Allies set up NATO. And it basically, in the NATO scenario, it was anybody who was attacked will assume you're attacking everybody in NATO. And the same thing for the, for the Warsaw countries. And that's the way that the whole thing stayed until uh, the Soviet Union, which it became at that time, the Soviet Union got busted up. And Putin was, I, I saw the whole thing, Putin was um, really, really emphatic in the concept of betrayal at the time of the Soviet Union's breaking up. Because he said, he and, <clears throat> he and the rest of the Russians felt that with their willingness to go along with this breakup of the Soviet Union, that that would show the West that they really wanted to integrate. They 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 weren't didn't want to be off by themselves. Now we're talking Russia, okay? They wanted to integrate, and so they break up the Soviet Union. And what happened? The Western NATO and America just gave them the middle finger, and he said. It would be all different if if what we thought was going to happen happened, but it didn't. And he, and you could tell that he from he was presenting it as being betrayed by the West. And and the whole <clears throat> the whole history lesson was betrayal after betrayal of the West. The Russians themselves, I mean, maybe maybe you, you got this uh, Soviet during the Soviet Union. You have Stalin. You have people who thought that their way of doing things was the best. But by the time you get to Putin, they know that communism doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. Now, what's the difference between why it doesn't work and why it would work? Well, the idea is, is that if you have a world government, in this case, uh, a Soviet Union kind of government, you know what I mean? But you know, it's a smaller thing, but the idea of a very big centralized government, that they'd be able to figure out how many tractors you need in a given year. And based on that, they would then order the tire companies to make 
X number of tires to fill that, you know, predetermined, we're going to need these instead of working with the concept of capitalism where it's demand. There's there's a demand for the tractors, then you're going to sell that many. But what if you don't have a demand for it? And so the economy of the Soviet Union could never really get off the ground because this planning, this one world or one nation government, uh, nations, plural, the Warsaw, that one government cannot make plans for everything. And that's why I don't want to get into, not that they even remember because it was so complicated, but there was a massive attempt by the West to financially break the Soviet Union. And because of that, the concept of communism being what they wanted everybody to be, be be communist, be communist, you know. Well, the reason that the Warsaw Pact came apart was because the people realized that the communist party was only 10% of the population. You know, they, and, and this, this is one of those little stories that people don't understand. It's a simple story, but un- unbelievable how information can change the geopolitical stability of the world. And in this case, it was a fax machine because up until that point, everything that could print was controlled by the state. You had to have a license to have a typewriter, a license to have anything that could reproduce. All right. Well, and it was working. They they were controlling, very much controlling the information. But then the fax machine comes out. And the concept of the fax machine is that you put a piece of paper in this machine, it copies it, then sends it digitally over the airways to another machine that then gives you a copy of it. Now, this is where stupidity comes in, right? And nobody is immune from stupidity. Oh, that's a great machine. And instead of thinking in terms of it's a printer, you know, they saw it as just a communication device. They didn't realize that you could tell the the fax machine, keep printing this, keep printing this, keep printing this, and that you had actually a printing machine. And it was that was what broke the Warsaw Pact, is that they were able to send information to another fax machine and then have the fax machine put out all this information. Like, do you know the Communist Party is only 10% of the nation? And all of a sudden, they all looked at each other and they're like, really? You mean 90% of us are being led by 10%? That doesn't make any sense. And within, I don't even know the time frame anymore because I don't, I'm out of time, um, out of sync with time. Um, what happened was that they, they all just threw the party out. I mean, the fall of East Germany is, is astounding. (laughs) I mean, it was like, they just opened the gates. We need to take a lesson and do the same across Europe. (laughs) Well, that's what's happening. Yeah. That's, That's essentially what is happening. So, well, to answer your question, it was a defense agreement if they, somebody is attacked then they get to attack back all right now one of the things that putin brought out in the interview was that it was an agreement that was made the mix mix agreement or something i think and it was that you will not 
go into the nations. You will not bring into NATO the nations that were the Warsaw Pact or were part of the Soviet Union to begin with. You will not do that. Okay, all right, we'll do that. You disband the Soviet Union and the Warsaw Pact, and we won't, you know, take it over with NATO to go after Russia. And then they they start making all these overtures to the Ukraine in not legal by the agreements that had already been made. And the NATO was actually deploying units into the Ukraine. Now, I'd, I'd never heard this, but I have no doubt that if he's saying it, it's true. So, Well, also, I saw a map showing the encroachment of NATO on all the surrounding countries, like the Baltic states and everything, surrounding Russia. Yeah. As well as, you know, the threat for for Ukraine to join NATO, which is what the Minsk agreement uh, and the encroachment was based on. So, you know, the analogy is, well, Kennedy wouldn't allow Russian um, missiles into Cuba, so why would Russia allow armaments to be right on the border of Russia? Same principle, basically. Yeah. All, all of that was a manipulation by the cabal, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, NATO is um, a cabal operation, just like the other globalist organizations, like the UN and, the, as I said, the WF and the WHO. They're all this under the same umbrella, and they have no interest in peace whatsoever. They're just into world domination. So it got to the point that Putin, you know, he had seriously no options. It was like he wasn't going to do the uh, things that during World War II, uh, the British kept appeasing. Oh, Hitler says, well, we want Poland because of this reason. We want, you know, and oh, OK, all right, we'll go along with that. He, he, nobody was standing up for him and the rights of the Russian people. And so... Then they had this coup d'etat that was orchestrated by say what? I say what? By, by, I was looking at the word by the <laughs> by the CIA. I didn't know we were that powerful, Nancy. <laughs> yeah. By the and, CIA and, and Victoria and, Newland. Right, and immediately after that, they attacked the area of the Ukraine that was populated by Russian people. So, I mean, if, if you listen to him and you listen to him with just an open mind, you know, let it just sink in. He came, he came off sounding so commonsensical and not aggressive. He wasn't even angry. Why should he be? He says, you people keep doing this, these things that make mis- you're making all these mistakes and all you're doing is feeding our economy. And he went into that. You know, why Why did you blow up the... the Tucker asked him, who blew, who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline? And he looked at Tucker like, are you stupid? He said, <laughs> well, why would we do it? And exactly. so Tucker said, so is it the CIA? And he said, look it, somebody wanted it gone. 
and they had to have the technical ability to do that. Who do you suppose that is? I mean, he kept throwing it back to, to Tucker. You know? Yes, it was the CIA, you dumb shit. <laughs> you know? And and his it was like he would he he was so okay. He'd say um, I talked to uh, I was a friend of George Bush Senior particularly, and he went to to Maine and spent time with with George Bush, and he said I liked the guy. You know, we got along. I got along with Junior. He didn't say Junior. He said you know whatever the other name is, I don't even remember, George Bush II or whatever he is. And um, and then he talked about Clinton, having a good relationship with Clinton, and that Clinton, you know, was approached by Putin. You know, what about if Russia joins NATO? Well, you know, oh, yeah, sounds kind of good. Let me check into it. And the next thing he hears from Clinton is, sorry, the people in charge said no. You know, and it's like, why would you do that? We're saying to you, we want to be friends. And you're saying, no, we don't want you to be friends. And he was saying it like, I'm really confused as to how sane you people are. <laughs> you know, But it wasn't with aggression. It wasn't with putting Tucker down. Tucker was intimidated, in my opinion. I've watched a lot of Tucker. And this was the first interview where I saw Tucker kind of odd by sitting yes, in front of I thought and, so too. Yeah, and he was almost afraid to ask a question, you know, because, well, it started out and Putin said to him, is this going to be a serious discussion or is it something for entertainment, for TV? He said it a little differently, but that was what he was asking. And Tucker was a taken back by it. And he said, no, this is serious. You know, and and Putin would have this little smile on his face that, that kind of like, that's all right, son, just take it easy. You know, I mean, it was it was a very interesting conversation. I highly recommend you listen to it. Um, I didn't listen to the 30 minutes of the history because I started listening to it and I said, well, I know this stuff. I mean, I actually am a Russian history historian. So I knew that 30 minutes. So I can't say that I studied everything that he said. But when he started focusing on the current, you know, situation, it was it was a brilliant presentation, in my opinion. There's got to be people out there that go, I don't have Putin derangement. But I don't know if the guy I don't know enough about the guy to think one way or the other. Well, that's what. Tucker said in the introduction to it a couple of days earlier, he said, yes, I'm in Russia. And we're going to interview Putin because we're serious journalists. He said, how do you have this person on the other side of the world who is so influential in what's happening in our world and you don't talk to him? A journalist goes out and talks to the people. I'm not telling you that he's telling you the truth. I'm telling you what he said. It's up to you to make the, you know, decision of one way or the other. And he also said, and is this dangerous? Oh, absolutely dangerous, he said. So he knew that by doing this, he was going to, at a minimum, be screamed at by all the, you know, crazy people out there. 
Which but she also, has been, of course. <laughs> she has been. And also, I think he was, you know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a, a front row going after this and it's, you know, it could cost me my life. I think he was well aware of that because it's very true. What they're doing now is they're making everybody all crazy about the traitor Tucker Carlson and, you know, and, you know, some nutcase will come along and kill him and, oh, there's some crazy Republican MAGA person that did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, The least likely. I mean, I, I, I remember watching situations. This is going back quite a few years um, it was during the Trump administration, but I remember seeing um, these meetings with Putin involved, and they were trying to provoke him no end. And what impressed me was he just would not respond to the provocation at all. He just struck me as ver- a very conscious person, and that's what impressed me very much that he's not the kind of person that is going to be provoked by the provocation whatsoever. And that's the kind of demeanour that he was putting across in the interview. The other thing that I think is important to remember is that last week when when Tucker had introduced the fact that he was there and was going to interview him, you know, it was like, oh, wow, you know, because I've heard, I have heard, personally heard. And for people that I don't know what they were thinking or didn't really hear it, the Putin uh, speaks English, but he was speaking in Russian and there was a translator. So somebody was in chat said something about why did why did um, Tucker need a, 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 a thing in his a microphone in his ear because he was talking English? No, Putin was not talking English. What he was listening to, what Tucker was listening to, was the translation. <coughs> so, oh, I'm sorry. What, Dolly? Did you want to say something? No, my my mute got unmuted somehow. I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. So, um, yeah, but it, Dolly, you you didn't see it, did you? I mean, do you want to ask any other questions or Walt? Did we answer the question about NATO and what the setup is there now? Well, so it, it sounds to me that uh, the, the cabal is still controlling the Western world and the Russians are keeping the cabal at bay because they're, oh, yes. they're not being controlled by the cabal, are they? No. Putin is fighting the globalists. This is the whole point. I mean, he's refused to have a central bank in there. He's refused to have anything that the WEF are trying to impose. Um, People should be cheering him on, for God's sake, because the rest of them, the EU, NATO, every who, WEF, a lot of them, they just want to destroy Putin and Russia because he will not comply. And that's what all us non-compliant people should be cheering on. Um, you know, it's obvious he's he went in. They didn't share anything about his exposure of the bio labs in the Ukraine, which Hunter Biden is linked to. 
with Metabiota, which is invested in them. It didn't go into the child trafficking, all the horrific things that are going on there. And, of course, you know, these people that are all in favour of sending billions of dollars and billions of pounds, I have to say, from the UK, are just in a money laundering scheme. And, of course, Biden's interest in this is not having his collusion and his, um, his um, oh, what's the word? Uh, anyway, his, his position in Ukraine exposed because, of course, he's been selling favours all over the, the world. And of course, I just I just want to step in here for a second because those people that think that what she's saying is crazy, there was an assistant. Oh, what was she assistant of? Assistant, oh God, what was the department? State Department, I think. And the he, before Congress, and she was asked, "Do you think that there are bio labs in the Ukraine and that they could, you know, be used for?" Bad purposes, basically. I mean, the guy that asked the question was stunned by what she had just said. And she said, yes, we're afraid that the bio bioweapons that are been made there. And he said, you know, and, and where did where did these who, who set these things up? Oh, the Department of Defense of the United States. She flat out said it in front of a Congress. Mm. Uh, the, they were right on the border of Russia, which is another reason why Putin yeah. wasn't happy yeah uh, and, and it's it like there. really two dozen of them isn't there at least two dozen of them i lost count of how many they were you know yeah but- and the um the you russian representative presented all of this evidence to the un as right. well now could you explain the difference between nato and the un because they're very similar organizations, but I'm not sure I'm clear about the difference. It's real simple. NATO is a military organization. The UN is supposed to be a civilian. But, In yeah, we words, talk about UN troops being... Well, that, yes, but that's not why it was... It was not, that's what they've done to it. Ah, not okay. Why, when they came together, it goes back to the League of Nations. After World War One, they set up the League of Nations with the idea that if you've got some place where different countries can come together and talk to one another, you can offset any potentiality for war. But nobody wanted, the powers that be wanted war, so they, they kind of sabotaged the League of Nations, in, in my opinion. But that concept. Was I think still the League there. of Nations was always a deep state organization. It's like the Council on Foreign Relations and all of those. That not, not initially, not ah. initially. They 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 latch on to anything that's going to work. Well, that's true. <clears throat> but it was a, it was a an honest attempt by the World War One players to short circuit this occurring again. And that would be with a group of people that would talk to one another, but and that and that and, and so okay. Let, let me let me tell you how I think it goes down. So the League of Nations was a good concept. It was a way of getting information back and forth in a public environment where everybody would know what was happening. Well, the 
dark side said, oh, shit, this isn't what we want. We want antagonism. We want war. We want secrecy. So they sabotaged it. But they realized after World War II, wait a minute, this is a good idea. We'll get them together. Everybody will be thinking that this is a good thing, that we don't have any wars because of these people, and we'll control them all. We'll control the narrative. And so they propagated the concept of a UN, United Nations. And then once they got the whole thing set up, that's when you start getting the deep deep state of every country trying to maneuver to control the, the, the United Nations. But it's not a mil- I don't I don't know where they've gotten the right to have UN soldiers there. I don't know. Um, it was one of those things where one day they said, why are there UN soldiers? Never heard of it coming up the pike. Never, I mean, I don't really study the UN, but uh, no, that's not supposed to be what the UN is. That's why, you know, Donald Trump, among others, is saying this is a corrupt organization that has to cease and desist. Well, yeah, because it's interesting because you hear about UN troops, but in terms of NATO, they use um, the countries, the member countries' troops. So it's like the the who are these UN troops? They're not the Syrian country. Mafia. Yeah, they're they're not linked to any particular nation. They're just under this umbrella of the UN, aren't they? It's a mercenary group. Mm. You know, and nobody's paid too much attention to it that I've seen. I haven't seen a lot of information on it. So. Uh, <laughs> Interesting times. They they take every organization that had a good purpose to it and turn it around to use against the people. And you mentioned Paperclip. Well, in Paperclip, what happened was at the end of the war, the Russians and the Americans tried to get as many of the, the Nazi scientists that they could. And a lot of these scientists that went to America were actually the ones that were involved in propaganda. We hear of Bon Bon, who was the missile guy and went to the moon because of him, and that's where everybody hears about it. And then all of a sudden there's like, wait a minute, some German went to, oh, what's that island off of Manhattan? Uh, Begins with a P. You know what I'm talking about? The one where the ticks came from? Oh, you mean uh, uh, what they call? Well, I, I know. You know, it's a. Uh, 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 it'll it'll come to us. It'll come not, to us. Not Rikers. No, 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 no. 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 It's, uh, I, I don't know one with a P. It's a laboratory. It. Uh, you do know it, Jan. We just can't remember the name. <laughs> it's oh, where right. they, is it where they they developed. Um, yeah, like Nancy said, uh, the, when they did, did the work on on the ticks, it, it was all uh, laboratory work. Where's our people? Carpenter the- Island. Carpenter Island. I was there. No, I was. No, no, no. What was the name you just said? The uh, the 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 ticks. The, 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 they use the ticks to do uh, experiments. He said carpenter. No, that's not it. Somebody in did chat. They, did they um, do the anthrax stuff there? No. Ah, okay. 
Not that I know of. I mean, they certainly could have. But I, not well, that I, know. I know that Carpenter is one of the islands because uh, there's like three islands in that grouping. In fact, you can take the the, the, the the boat to any of the three islands, and one of them is called Carpenter Island. And it's, it's, it's interesting compared to the island, other islands is that Carpenter Island is not accessible by the usual civilian uh, tourists. The other there's tour Pelham. I've just looked up. There's Pelham Island. There's Prospect. Plum, Plum, Plum. Plum Island. Plum Island. <coughs> Plum Island. Okay, so Plum Island was where this German went. And what they were doing was they were doing the same research they did back in Germany, which was to infest cattle and food stock with diseases that then the population would eat and they die from. Okay, that was somebody's got a mic open and making a lot of noise. Um, so that was that was what Plum Island is known for. But they also released this, uh, you know, the ticks, the uh, Lyme disease. It's been tracked traced back there. So mm -hmm. you've got all these Germans who are in, and people now, you know, they're focused on this. But what they're missing is the fact that you had some of the people that had been able to enact. Um, mind control on the German people themselves. They had done this, the German people. I always said, well, I, I, I asked this question so many times when I was studying this whole time frame. Why would the German people go along with this scenario? And then I <clears throat> began to understand the propaganda that they were under. Same way people went along with the COVID-19 <clears throat> crap. Well, that's the thing is that I wish I had not answered the, asked the question because then they demonstrated it to me with COVID nineteen. Yeah, you know what time. I'm saying, big time. So, um, yeah, there was a lot of that. Th those people that came over, <clears throat> that I mean, it's like, oh man, you look at it and you go, like, well, we were stupid, weren't we? No, we weren't stupid. We believed in humanity, and these people are not human. No. And of course, Obama, I can't remember the act it was, but he legalized pro propaganda to be used on the U.S. people. Is it the Hatch Act or some, something like that? He did a lot of really bad things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, before it was illegal to use propaganda in well, the U.S. Didn't it could that, only be used abroad. Didn't that recording... He, that the, Nancy played that the failed recording that Nancy played didn't that say that he's the Antichrist? Yes. <laughs> mm. Did you? Yeah, you were here, Jan. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. So, I mean, the the bottom line here is that uh, the bad guys are all over the place. We just have to figure out where they are. But I I've, I've said this before. Donald Trump did not come into this fight knowing all this information. He was approached by people who, a lot of them came from the um, anonymous group, the Packers. But they were, they were the newest group that came in. Ever since World War II, and there's things that go back with, I mean, they, they attempted in, in other ways to take over the United States. And there are some unsung heroes, like this one general whose name I don't remember, who realized that this was something that was 
whatever they were trying to do, he fought against it. And there are heroes that along the lines were able to dampen the attacks being made by the cabal. Nazi Germany is alive and well. Those people, it's just they moved out of Germany. They're all over the world. They infiltrated the Freemasons, you know, for one. Um, And the Freemasons are extremely powerful in the, let's say, the third layer of the bureaucratic uh, government that we have, that they call the United States. Um, So, yeah, you've got all these bad players that are out there that some very good people realized was happening. And they had all of their hopes in John Kennedy. That's why you hear John Kennedy saying some things like the speech that's come down to be known, the secret speech, where he talks to the press and said, you're being taken over. And democracy won't survive without you. Um, It was his overtures to, uh, at the time, Nikita Khrushchev. It was his wanting to release the information on UFOs. There were so many things that John Kennedy represented in the concept of information and truth that he was out there talking about. And when he was assassinated, this very loose organization, because nobody could trust anybody, because this deep state was all over the place, it really kind of fell apart. But they looked at it again and they said, no, we got to do better. So... They've existed since, like I say, the end of World War II. There's different people that are involved in it. But there has been a very secret organization of people who many of them remained in the working within the government, where you have people like me that went into the government. And I know that I was identified as, you know, the bad guy because I was in support of the Russians. Uh, one of the things that I learned was the Russians know a lot more about reality than does the United States. When I was the, the person that they came to in the army for inf- information on Russia, I was the Russian expert. I'd, run, I'd, I'd written the program of instruction that was being taught on Russian and Warsaw Pact tactics to the American intelligence community. I mean, I had an amazing experience and I realized that we we had been taken over the United States military had been taken over and mm. uh, I made a blunder um, I wasn't I wasn't paranoid enough and <laughs> uh, when I realized the blunder I had made that I had made myself identified very very you know you can't doubt where I'm coming from um, mm. that I I wasn't going to make it. I was going to be dead in a matter of months. I knew it. And um, so then I had to essentially blackmail a light colonel to get him to sign the papers for my release. Because the intelligence community had realized how important I was to them because I knew information that nobody else knew. And they had put a stipulation on my files will not be relieved. Ooh. will not be transferred. Criticality of mission. That was a statement. So I I couldn't even change my job. You know, because there was always like two years you changed your job. No, I was, they didn't want me going anywhere. They needed me there. So they wouldn't let me, they wouldn't have let me out. 
I mean, they would have not, not signed the papers to release me. But this guy, I had so much on him, blackmail, um, that he signed mm -hmm. the papers. So the papers were already processed when the intelligence community was informed that I was leaving the Army. And they freaked out. <laughs> and so <laughs> next thing I know, I'm being called before my, my commanding general because the, his commanding general had said, what the hell is happening down there? You know, and my commanding general was the one I had blackmailed, or he was a colonel, but my commanding, my commander. And, um, you know, so I said, okay, all right, let me handle it. Let me handle it. And because he told me, he told me everything. He was, he was so afraid I was going to blow his cover. So <laughs> I went to the intelligence community, the ones that were all up in arms. And I said, look at guys. I said, I'm burnt out. I said, you know who I am. You know what I've done. You know that I can get any job in any level of the intelligence community. I'm not going away, but I need to get out of the limitations of the military framework. I said, give me a few months. I'll come back. I said, here's, here's job offers right now, because three of the major think tanks in the Washington, D.C. area had heard the same thing that intelligence military had people had. And so they came to me and they offered me jobs. Three of the biggest tanks, the, the big, three biggest, because they had worked with me. You know, the government couldn't use their own resources. The military couldn't use its own resources to confirm what I was saying. And so they had to go to think tanks with computers. Nobody even knew what a computer was at the time. Well, I did, NSA, and we knew about it. But, you know, for the most part, nobody knew about these personal computers and these bigger computers and what was happening there. Um, so they, and I knew that there was a real weakness in the establishment, and that's every two years they take a military person and they transfer him someplace else. Now, then it became like four years, you know, I think near the end of my what I was in. But they were always transferring the military people out. So you didn't have continuity of information within the military. It was all the civilians that knew it. I mean, I'd be having a conversation with civilians and I'd say, well, what, if, what about this? What if we try this? He said, oh, we tried that three years ago. It doesn't work. You know, they remembered, whereas all us military people, we're just, we're cold at every job we come into. It was another way of controlling. Was that uh, compartmentalization? Yeah, yes, and, yes, it's yeah. very much that. And know, when was this? Us, Can you give a time stamp to yeah, 19, when you were doing this? 1971 was when I went in, and it was okay. like the end of December of, 20, of 71, but... Then it went to 74. I think those are the, you know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was like three and a half years, which I can't believe I did so much in three and a half years. <laughs> I mean, it was a whirlwind of, I mean, I could tell you stories and stories and stories and stories about that time period, but I learned a tremendous amount. And um, Would you be able to write a book about that or would that sign your death warrant? <laughs> well, a lot of this is in cosmic reality. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I've ne I, first off, the what happened too was that at that time frame, I don't ever remember taking a pledge or signing a document that said that I would never give away secrets of the government. Ah, you didn't sign a 
No, I I had to sign the the oh shit, what was it called? Uh, the Official Secrets Act when I started as a, a trainee programmer for British Nuclear Fuels. That that came in after that time frame because it was something that they just had got around to, sort of, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, maybe it was, I signed a lot of papers, but I don't believe, I don't ever, I think that would have made me stop and thought about something, you know, because I went into the military to be able to spy on them. (laughs) I mean, you know. I remember that being in cosmic reality. You go so far in your own research and the only way that you can get beyond it is to join the enemy. Infiltration. Infiltration. And that's Which what is I, what I, the enemy has been doing all the time into every organization that exists. Precisely. I get, somebody removed that paper. What paper? I'm being told that somebody removed that paper that you uh, don't remember signing. Oh, I don't know about that. What, removed it before she had to sign it? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm seeing him show me it was removed out of a pile of papers, uh, like toward the uh, uh, top of the last third of it. <laughs> oh, you mean the <laughs> of the pile? Yeah. yeah. So the 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 good guys in the higher realms didn't oh. want you to be curtailed by having signed a paper to keep. Your mouth shut. They were watching over you. Right. I don't know if it's true or not. That's what I got, and they told me to tell you, and I'm done. Well, (laughs) the fact of the matter is, is if I had signed it, I would not have released the secrets. My word is my word. And, you know, it might have limited the way that I approached everything, Dolly. So it's conceivable, but I I don't, I've never thought that I did, so I've told everything I know. Mm. (laughs) You know? (laughs) <laughs> it was like they, they they were really good they were getting really good about putting classifications on everything and you'd get this document and the paragraphs were top secret paragraph, secret paragraph confidential paragraph you know and then you'd have something that wasn't classified at all and it was all in one document and I needed to tell the troops in the field that they were under danger because they their radios, communications and radar and everything could be used to track them on a battlefield. But I was being constrained by the damn secrecy of the intelligence community. Military was would be fine with it, but not in the intelligence community, something else. So I find this document on electronic warfare talking about Intrusion by listening to radio, all the basics, right? And it was a Swedish document that was unclassified. So I went back to the higher echelons and I said, look at this is an unclassified document that I want to use in my classes. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And it was like they shut me down again. So here I am supposed to train the military, the army, to defend against electronic warfare and every time I turn around they're shutting me down because of secrecy stuff so I said hmm okay so what I did was I took all of their unclassified information in the documents and I took it out and I published it right because it was all unclassified 
right? And cool. but nobody nobody reacted. It was everybody was fine with that. So I waited a few months and I took all the confidential stuff and I published it. And I didn't classify it. I had broken the secrecy act. But they never caught on. You know, so yes, then I started pulling the secret stuff. I never went to top secret, but I did pull secret stuff because I needed the generals to know. I didn't put it out there in the, you know, the grunty person's hands. But, you know, I started to pull information and say it right in their faces. And it was like nobody, I could have been arrested and tried and put in jail (laughs) for a very long time, but nobody tweaked to it. Did you keep it in your garage in cardboard boxes? And- no, no. The, funny, the funny, funny thing is, is that I kept it in a safe in the in the building that I worked in. And years later, I was in the the reserves, and I, every two weeks you had to go. I mean, two weeks during the year, you'd have to go to like a school or something. You know, you had to keep your education things going. And I go to Wachuca where they're they're teaching a course on electronic warfare. Wachuca was the intelligence uh, where the intelligence school was. So I I get to this uh, this you know group of people and the they were all reserve officers and the people trying to teach them were, were reserve officers, but they had the book and so they pass out this book to us a field manual, and so I open it up and I start looking at it and I'm going like huh. And then I start skipping through it, and I went, uh-huh. So I said to the guy that was in charge of the thing, I said, can you get me to a f- telephone? I need to make a phone call. And, you know, this was before cell phones. And th- and they, he said, well, yeah, I guess I can. And I said, it's really important. Can you please do that? So I called back to my old office, and I talked to the civilian who's still there. And I said, Todd, I said, do you know a field manual? And I gave him whatever the number was. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 I know all about it. And I said, well, where did they get the information? He said, oh, from, from the safe that you left here. They came in and they <laughs> took the information out of the safe. So they were inadvertently not realizing that a lot of that was classified information, but it wasn't marked because I had unmarked it. <laughs> you know, so the, the manual that they were using was one that I had written. And these poor supposed teachers are stumbling through the whole thing. And so I went to them and I said, guys, I wrote this document. And they were like, oh, my God, you did? And I said, yeah, let me help you out. I'm no longer a student. I'm one of you. I'm going to teach you how to teach. And that's, <laughs> that's that was that two weeks I taught them what was in the I didn't have to read it. I knew it. You know, and uh, it, it was a really interesting class. You know, that is was, so cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun time. I mean, you know, but uh, okay. So we've been rambling here. Well, God, it's almost the top of the hour here. It is. Can we have sound of silence today? I do like that. Well, okay, we could do that, but we're still. Yeah. Early. I know, time. I know. I just wanted to give you forward notice that I'd like that. It's a bit longer as well. It gives us a bit of a longer break. Oh, that's but true. I was going to say as well, going back to this concept of the Nazis. I mean, there are many people in the truth movement actually saying that many of the so-called leaders, I hate to call them that, uh, in the EU are descendants of Nazis. 
um, Ursula von der Leyen, even, um, I mean, not Nazis, but supposedly Zuckerberg links to the Rothschilds. I mean, there, there are so many links to the deep state of these people in so-called leadership positions. It's unbelievable. You know, Merkel, she's supposedly a, a daughter of Hitler, uh, certainly related to him. Um, so it's very interesting. You know, the Q always said, I think it's infiltration, not um, invasion. And I mean, the thing is, what's happened in the last few years, particularly since Trump was in power, um, these people are all exposing themselves. Rishi Sunak is WEF. You've got others in the UK Parliament that are WEF. You've got many of them who have been linked to pedophilia. You've got Trudeau. You've got Macron. You've got so many that have been taken over by the WEF. But it, it, the beauty is it's all being exposed. It's, it's wonderful. It's waking people up in droves. You can run, but you can't hide. Mm, exactly. All right, so here's the song. Uh, what she's talking about is disturbance, the group disturbance, sounds of silence. And here we go. And welcome back to the Say What Show. It's February 10th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard and Walt Silva and Jan Shaw. And Dolly, I just went over to the email to pull up your um, your email and it started loading loading slowly so I canceled it I exed okay. out the because yeah. of the internet connection so I can't help you out there but I know you have a list well something bothered me during that song either there was static or somebody had an open mic and and it made noise during the song um, I think it was me. My um, my headset suddenly stopped working and wouldn't meet. It was weird, and it's not working now. So it was my mic was in the problem. Yeah, uh, went weird on me. Oh, okay. Well, and and weird. And it's now back. It's weird because it was just not registering at all. I had it on mute, and then suddenly it came on unmuted, and then it wasn't working, and now it's back. So there's definitely uh, some gremlins about, I think. <laughs> well, we're definitely having interference, outside interference, mm. uh, I believe, ever since we played the the Jesus thing. Remember how that went so awful? Anti oh, Antichrist. yes. The Antichrist, yeah. yes. Yeah. Antichrist. That was so weird. It was weird. Well, okay. I didn't get to say anything last time about what was being said. So I would like to finish up on that end first. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And this is coming from Dolly World, so don't hold anyone accountable for my thoughts. Um. I do believe that the Putin-Tucker interview was absolutely set up. 
to tackle issues that a lot of people did not understand all around the world, not just in Russia or not just in Ukraine or not just in America. I believe it was set up by the White Hats to uh, say things that peoples haven't heard, like even giving the Russian history. So um, I applaud them for doing that. I didn't listen because I, I, that's the way I felt about it. And I, I just, I didn't have that two hours to listen today. And so um, I really applaud Tucker for, and Putin for doing that. I think Putin's a good guy. I have all along because he's working, he was working clearing out the, the dumbs and, um, taking all that grief that he was being such a bad person when he wasn't really. And uh, that's how I feel about that. The end. Now. Anyone want to comment at me? I was going to say that that's, I see great parallels between Putin and Trump, actually. I mean, they're both given so much grief because this, they both have the same um, outcome in mind, which is not to give in to the globalists at all. So, um, you know, they have to use ways to get the the message out that, yeah. uh, as you say, it probably reached many more than just the U.S. and, and Russia, I'm sure. Yep, yep. That's how I strongly well, his, his believe. Re, his remarks about China were interesting, too. You know, it was like, you, you people kept keep yelling about Russia getting with China, and, you know, it's like, well, it's economics. He was touting the fact that the BRIC, okay, the, the Brazilians, Indians... The BRICS nation, yeah. BRICS, yeah, those nations, Russia and China that have come together, have come together over economics. You know, he said, you can't stop a nation from growing economically. And that's what this is all about. And he didn't say, and your dollar is going into the trash. It was like, and what you're doing to your dollar is just nuts. You keep putting more and more and more and more money on it that isn't money. You know, it's like it, he was so contained and so matter of fact about this stuff is like there's no fear of India and China that we're coming together in an economic standpoint you know it's like he didn't say we're not in bed militarily but he kind of never said we were there was things that you could read into what he was saying it's like are you people crazy why would we get militarily tied in with China we're as afraid of them as you are which has always been true with Russia. They don't trust the Chinese, never have. You know, but it so. makes you wonder whether it's the Chinese Communist Party or or the other factor, factum or fact. Oh, God, well, my English yeah. is gone. Faction, that's the word I was looking for. Because, I mean, there are so many more countries now joining BRICS because they're moving to asset based 
current asset-backed currency instead of the fiat currency, which is what the US dollar is based on, and probably the UK pound as well, and many other currencies. Well, he, he, he said that one of the major mistakes the United States made was to base their foreign policies on the on the dollars, the worth of the dollar. And, mm. I, and he got into an economic discussion that I honestly, it was like, I think I might have nodded off a little bit. <laughs> all of a sudden I'm going like, oh, I don't, I'm not following this conversation. But it, he was mes- messaging that fact that, you know, you, you, this whole thing about the dollar is another fabrication. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it's uh, it's funny. I was on a conversation with my friend in Arizona, whose place I used to stay at in the winter, and I, I've kind of been dropping red pills in his direction. He's involved in stock trading things, so he's kind of very uh, savvy about the economics and the stock markets and everything. And he was saying about, oh, I've heard about this book. It's the um, is it the beast from Jekyll Island or words to that effect, um, which is all about the foundation of the Federal Reserve and so on. And, um, you know, I think more, more the fact that he was aware of that and um, I think more people are becoming aware of the, you know, the the scam that is the Federal Reserve System and the fiat dollar and everything, the fiat currency, um, it's more of this great awakening that's going on. Well, I kind of think there's an interesting psychological thing that's happening because I suspect that whereas they, they keep make, trying to make bring this, this fear out into people, okay? Well, that fear is not affecting your soul. It's not affecting your spirit. Your spirit's not running around tearing its hair out saying, I'm so afraid. That's not happening. But what is happening is that's happening to the human construct of the 3D brain. Okay. Now, in my case, it's like I've been in in situations where I should have been very scared. But instead, I just like went, no, we'll deal with that. And then when I thought about what I had just gone through, I was terrified. Oh, my God, that, you know what happened? You know, so I have this weird kind of like, I, I don't know how many people react that way. But mainly when you get somebody in a state of free, frozen, fe- frozen in fear, they stop thinking. Okay? And I think mm. that I think that what's happening is that this awakening that seems to be happening in a greater clip, like, in your your instance, the story you just told, because when your brain, your 3D brain isn't thinking, your spirit, your subconscious is still alive and awake. And so it starts to message, to put forth stuff that your 3D, you know, basically convincing your 3D brain, it's okay, it's okay, you know, and once you make that connection between the 3D brain and the spirit, is a very powerful connection. And I think this is another example of their whole, uh, you know, pushing the fear thing is causing people to reach for their higher selves, let's call it, and start to work with the higher self or as the higher self. And I think that it's this whole 
collapse is just going to create a whole bunch of people that are really, really strung out correctly. You know, 3D body, but a, a spirit that's operating at the 3D level. I think I agree. And I mean, one of my uh, specialties is related to fear and, and the difference between chronic fear, which is what they've been trying to instill in pe people and acute fear where you actually are in physical danger, which I've been in, you know, through my horse experiences and, um, you know, I think people get to the point of saturation with that chronic fear and they start to say, what the hell am I living in here? You know, there must be, it's like the dark night of the soul. What the hell is going on? There must be something better than this. I yeah, shouldn't so be they, living this way. And so they try to fuel that <clears throat> emptiness with all the buying that they're doing. You know, running up their credit cards, it's like they've thrown out the concept of they, they, this makes them feel better. Oh, I well, no, I, I'm talking about when you get to the dark night of the soul, that's when you start to question everything. So there is, yeah, there is a point during that chronic fear where you're still under its control. So then you're looking for outlets for it and kind of um, solves to that feeling of fear to try and desperately make yourself feel better which of course doesn't last but then you get to that turning point that says this is this is just not how i want to live literally you're at that turning point right. and i right. think we're seeing that in a lot of people now the, especially when people can't even afford now to go on a spending spree because the economics of all these countries is such that inflation has got so high, they can hardly afford to put food on the table and pay their utility bills. Well, so I'm they haven't the they haven't <laughs> they haven't got that outlet. It's the same in the UK. I think it's the same across Europe. That because it's the same strategy that's being used against every nation by the global elites. And I hate to call them elites, they're shitbags anyway. But yeah, um, and I think people are getting to that point of the dark night of the soul that says, this world is just crazy. There must be something better than this. Well, maybe maybe Dolly can give us something better. Dolly, is you you want to go back to your list, not to cut you off, but I want to make sure that we get her list in. Okay, let me pull it up. <clears throat> oh, I do want to say, I do. Think you have any comments on that, Dolly? Before yeah. we get, I don't yeah. want to stop your list, but I'd love to hear your comments on that. Oh, you ready? <laughs> okay. Um, I think that we handled, y'all handled the Putin-Tucker uh, interview really good with your comments. And then I came in with my interjection, and, and then uh, more discussion was made. And I believe that we handled this Putin-Tucker thing pretty damn good. 
So uh, that's all I want to say about that. Now on to my good news network. I promised you all I'd do this, and I was up to it today. So um, I, I need to copy this. It's the link. And put it in the chat. Copy. Oh, I did that pretty fast. Now I lost you all. Oh, here you are. Okay. And paste. And there is the link to what I'm going to share with you. Um, here is a copy of the picture of the house. So you can see that. And I think this is pretty doggone special. If I can get to it. I hate the prolonged introductions, but here it is. 14 years. Oh, I'll read them. Family of fallen soldier given keys to new home built by volunteers in North Carolina. And this is by Andy Corbley and the Good News Network. Fourteen years after the death of an army sergeant in Iraq, his widow and children walked into a brand new house, gifted to them in honor of his memory. The Hero Home Number 27 was built through Operation Coming Home, a mission to help injured troops and families of fallen service members and is located in, I'm going to butcher the hell out of this name, but I'll say it, Fuquay-Farina, North Carolina. We thank God for everybody who had anything to do with it, said Ava Bradley. We appreciate everybody, everybody. Staff Sergeant, I'll probably butcher his name, Juan Tria Bradley is survived by Ava and two children who moved into their new house in January. Singing and ceremony, tears and tributes filled the spacious front lawn before Ava was handed the keys. Volunteers from Garmin Homes organized to build the house. But all kinds of local and national businesses donated components like windows and air conditioning to furnish the home and ensure Mrs. Bradley and her kids are comfortable. When our business and values align, we get to do something meaningful and powerful with the best people we know for a hero we never got to meet, Garmain Holmes wrote in a statement. It shows they appreciate what their dad and my late husband did. We are not alone, Ava said, reports local news. They see it, and they love us, too. And that's the end of that. <laughs> okay. I, I got to get control of myself a minute. Oh, it's a lovely story, Dolly. Thank you. It's a lovely house. looks awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was told by the posse's been with me most of the day today, which is nice. 
I'm being told to share the importance of words and how they are said and used. This is actually being polite at the same time as putting wants, demands into words. I'm going to give a couple examples. So somebody's going to make a request in this way. I want you to help me pick up this chair now. Instead, it would be very nice if it was said in a way similar to this. Will you please help me pick up this chair and move it over to there? See the difference in the wording and the difference in the feeling of the recipient of the words? Um, Here's another request. You sure you want me to read this? Yes, sirree. I hate to do this, but I want to have that rake right now so I can rake over there. When I'm done, you can have the rake back to continue with it in the place you were. Instead, it would have been nice to hear words similar to this. If you don't mind, I'd like to let you know that I would like to rake over there when you're finished with that section. See how it makes you feel the difference in the in the feelings that you get out of the words? And here is manifesting that they wanted to address manifesting words. Uh, the wish. I hate the color of the house and, and want it to be painted terracotta. To manifest it in a good way, you could say words to this effect. I can see the house painted terracotta. It's beautiful. Thank you. And in parentheses I put, and they shall keep seeing it that way in their mind, seeing it completed. So that's how you manifest that wish. And it's a whole different concept when you get the feel of the words. And here's another wish. As you plant flowers, you're thinking, I want or hope the flowers will be beautiful and smell good when they grow up. And to manifest that outcome, you could say words like this. As you plant the flowers, think the seeds are healthy and the flowers as they and the flowers they grow are beautiful and oh so fragrant. Thank you. So you grew up the seeds, the healthy seeds into beautiful flowers uh, with wonderful fragrance. And don't forget to thank. Thank you. Thank you. See how it made it different for the seed? Wow, I'm healthy. I can grow the flowers beautiful and they smell so good. Here's the last one for you. Here's the wish. I sure do wish there is peace in the world. And here is how to work on manifesting it. I see the world in peace with purple, with people working with, talking with, playing with, figuring things out with each other, etc. I'm seeing them enjoying each other and being together in peacefulness, comfortableness, and being able to disagree in a way that they can agree to disagree without angst against each other. And that's the end, y'all. That's my list. All these points have one thing in common. What's that? For them to work, you need to shut off the TV. 
<laughs> because the TV is so negative, it goes against all of this, which is true. So you, you're going to achieve this much better and much faster if you keep the, the TV off. <laughs> well, that's in your world. <laughs> I, I must agree, Dolly. Um, thank you, Posse, because words have so much power. And if you use the wrong words, then you're manifesting the wrong things. And it's it words have energy. And if you really listen to words, um, you can feel a different vibration to them. Some have a very uplifting energy. Some have a very low vibrational energy. Um, and I, you know, I use these uh, examples a lot with people when I'm coaching because you know people are so concerned about debt well I'm in debt oh very low vibration versus I'm paying off my accounts and I'm so grateful that I'm able to oh I hate my bills oh I'm so grateful that I actually have the money in my bank account to pay my bills and the the vibration of what you're putting out there is so important as well and it's all linked to the words so thank you for sharing that Dolly and you're absolutely right you need to um you know actually feel into it already having happened the flowers are already blooming. The fragrance is already there. And I talk to my plants. I haven't got many because I haven't got many window ledges, but I've got a plant that I was given uh, by my sister-in-law before Christmas. And it's got all these little shoots coming off the, the sides. And uh, I'll talk to it all the time and say, oh, you're doing so well here. <laughs> yep, don't put it in the future. Don't don't waste time putting it in the future. Just do it. It's now. It's oh yeah, that's what I say. You're doing so well here. Yeah. And don't forget to say thank you. Oh, always. Yes, that's important in your yeah. manifesting. Absolutely. No. Gratitude <coughs> is a is. You're you're essential. saying thank you because it's already done. Mm -hmm. So you yep. don't have to keep wasting your energy. People keep putting, throwing things into the future. Oh, it'll be done then, or it'll be next week, or next month. No, no, it's done now. It's already mm -hmm. done. Absolutely. Okay, um, Dolly, are you, do you have any more on the list? Did you say no? No, that's it. That's all I had. Okay. Sorry. No, 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 it's fine. One of the things I wanted to bring up, I think, Jan, you brought it up on your show, but I had a distraction. Um is the Supreme Court uh, hearing on the Colorado attempt to keep uh, Donald Trump off the ballot for the 2024 primaries. Not the election itself, but the primaries. So we can't get certified in Colorado and can't run in the presidential election. So it goes before the Supreme Court. Now, I don't study the Supreme Court, but this was one of the most educational days of my life and it was two and a half two and a half hours they, they said it normally would take an, uh, an hour and a half and this went on for an, an extra hour but what they did was they didn't they don't allow cameras into the courtroom the supreme court but they allowed the audio to be transmitted 
And it was absolute. I don't. I think. Well, I'm talking for myself. There were some of the legal stuff that I just couldn't follow what they were hell where they were talking about. But the overall impression that you got was that first off, the, the lawyers, the lawyer for Trump, when he started out, he had a you know opening statement type of thing. He got into a little tiny sliver of the law a very very like a paragraph worth worth of law and he is saying something to the justices and they're engaged with him and i'm going this doesn't seem right at all this just is kind of weird and i thought i don't this doesn't look good for trump but then they go to the guy from colorado representing colorado and all of a sudden the whole feeling in coming over the audio talking about words was being carried over this audio and all of a sudden there's a shift of energy and this guy gets up there and you know i don't know if he was uh, trans or not because he kind of looked like it uh because they show kept showing his picture when he was talking um but it it was the liberals, the, the, the side of the court that is votes more Democratic, let's say, than Republican, they're the ones that went after this guy. And it was, I mean, at the end of it, you knew that the court was going to find for Trump. There was no doubt about it in anybody's mind by the way that they took this guy down. It was phenomenal. And it gave me such a really good feeling for what is possible at that level. You know, we, we only hear, well, this one voted this way and this one voted that way. But to listen to them taking him apart, but taking him apart from different standpoints, but always comes down to the same thing. It was the concept between the state power and the federal power. And he wanted, he was, he was essentially arguing for state power. And yet, when you're talking about a national election, you could get to a point where the Republicans would throw the Democrats off, the Democrats would throw the Republicans off, and there'd be a handful of states that wouldn't do either. And so you'd have, you know, five out of 50 states that are voting for the president of the United States. That's where it comes down to. And Mm -hmm. it just made the whole argument sound so stupid. It's like these justices were irritated that it it had ever been brought before them, in my opinion, because they just poo-pooed the whole concept. Yeah, sorry, carry on. No, just in different ways. The presentations were different. It was fascinating. I think they should do this all the time. Well, I, I I didn't listen to it, but I did read a report that was basically saying that Trump's lawyers, um, you know, really put a solid legal argument about it. But the Colorado lawyer just was had such a weak case to present. And it's a federal election. You know, even I, you know, 
I've never been a a US citizen, but I kind of have got to know quite a bit of the politics, as you may have guessed. And so the difference between the state ruling, whether or not people can vote for somebody in a federal election just seems to be ludicrous. You know, well, that's that's what they thought, too. But yeah. there was there was another aspect of it that was, you know, interesting in that the the okay i was i i was really hoping that because he was basing the repeal of trump out of the primary to be predicated on the fact that it was an insurrection but that's he's never been indicted he's never been tried and found guilty there's no there's no evidence that that happened actually except for what he's presenting and what he presented to the court, which and this struck me as being like, what, you know? And some of the some of the judges were the same way. And what is this, you know? That their supposition that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist was because in front of this Supreme Court of the state of Colorado, they brought in an authority that was able to tell you what was in the mind of Donald Trump at the time. And it was like, it was, it was like, excuse me, what they, was that? They, they called in a psychic? It, no, just this person that claims that he could tell by what, the things that Trump has said and what he said, what he really meant. It's like a fabrication of one person's insanity. Because how are you going to prove that you know what was in the mind of the president at the time that all this was happening? Especially, especially if you are running contrary to what he was saying. You know, go peacefully. <laughs> you know, if somehow go and get some guns and blow up the place. That's it, it, the same premise as what the is the complete failing of the Georgia case because yeah. you know they're claiming the same thing about supposedly interpreting his ex intention but actually all the evidence counters that by him saying be peaceful go home etc etc but they're trying to imply that well in his mind he intended to create an insurrection I mean it's Total bullshit. That, that, that was this. This is the other thing that is just so you, you got to just shake your head because now they've released all of the video. Well, not all of it. Some of it's still retracted, but the vast majority of over five thousand hours of video that was taken that day, and we covered this in another show. But for those people that don't know about it, there's a number of different shows now that are taking the same video evidence and knitting them together in a time frame. And the fact of the matter is, is that the break-in <clears throat> to, the, to the building happened while Trump was still talking. Yeah, they breached the, the you know, perimeter. I mean, he, would have, he would have had to have said, run, run, get there so you can be part of the insurrection, because <laughs> it was already happening. And, and they've got it all time-stamped. And there, there are the, the one that that st still stands out in my mind. The, the you know the little scene from from all of the was I think it was I think it was a two hour presentation. Um, was this one cop 
And he's going, we were set up. We were set up. And the others mm. are going, yes, we were. Because yeah. they realized that they, well, they, they, it's been, one of the people that has really studied all of this and is in a, you know, had a job. They fire everybody. They got rid of everybody that knew this stuff. But again, he was on Tucker. And he was explaining that there were federal agents federal FBI agents in the building that were actually the ones that were instigating everything. And Tucker said, well, how many of them were there? And he said, we know of 200. Mm-hmm. And Tucker was just flabbergasted. 200? Yeah. You know, so this was a total setup. But the fact that the cops on the scene, as it was playing out, knew the same thing really stood out to me. So, but all of this information is out there now. Somebody that says there was an insurrection is just absolutely an ignorant person. They don't know the truth. You know? Well, they, yeah, they're just brainwashed. And also, when do you have an insurrection when nobody's armed? I mean, come on, people. Well, you know? they, well they, they were don't armed. know the truth or they are the instigators of the truth. I mean, their weapons were American flags, for God's sakes. Yeah, quite. And, of course, it was it was Ray Epps who was there um, with his cu- encouraging everybody to take down the barriers so that the people coming to the Capitol thought that they were free to walk in because the barriers had been taken down. I mean, it was a complete setup. There's no doubt about it. The question is, why the hell hasn't, um, whatever he's called, the speaker, um, what's his name? I've just gone blank. Because he's been blackmailed, Jim. I mean, he he said he was going to release all the January 6th tapes. Johnson, Mike Johnson. He was going to release all the January 6th tapes, and we had one set and nothing since. No, they they released them all at the same time, although they held back a certain amount based on, I forget, it was protecting... No, they didn't. They only released a certain amount of hours. People are still saying, where are the rest of them? Oh, I thought they had released them all. Nope, nope. Except for this one, this little group that they did keep out. That's what they said they were going to do. They were going to release all of it except for some that they'd with, withheld because of issues with people being revealed. Well, we don't exactly know the real justification for that. But, um, no, they only released a small segment. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that he was necessarily blackmailed or anything. It could very much be a timing thing because they released enough information that everybody knows it's bullshit if you look at it. The timing, everything. You know it's it's a bunch of crap. You listen to all these people. Well, now if they've held out even more and you give it to the public in a few months, oh, yeah, by the way, and here's the rest of the story. You know, they're more prepared to hear it because if you overload, I mean, these people are, you know, when I was in the military, I had to study psychological work. I had to, you know, do this so I know certain things and one of the things is you can't give people too much energy because I mean too much information at once because it's overload and they go into a not I I don't want to think about it 
So it might it might be a tactic. I'm hoping it's a tactic. Yeah, but we've already been waiting several months. Well, you have. But the rest of the people, they took it in. They let it digest. They don't think about it much. And then you hit them again, you know, in a couple of months. And you go, oh, my God, yeah, that. Oh, God. Oh, it's true. I know it's true. You know, I, I just think that it could be a, a psychological tactic. I wonder if it's going to be timed. You just made me think in relation to this trial of Trump and January 6th. Well, one of the things that's happened is that (laughs) they've tried all these people, what, 1,500 people or something. They've got all these these transcripts of trials that has been not released to the public. And there's been some reporters that have found out in, let's say, ways that they can't release the sources, that there is so much information disputing the findings of the January 6th committee in the House that they don't want this information to be released. So, and because it's court testimony of people. And, uh, you know... I think, yeah, I think they're waiting as well for this case... Um, and oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was mentioned, I think, in something I reported on today. There's this case, um, which relates to one of the charges against most of these January 6 prisoners that is being challenged. And I wish I could remember exactly what it is, but the 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 feeling is that if that and it's going to the supreme court if that is um is upheld by the supreme court then it it completely nullifies the charges oh i know what it was it was about the interference in a a congressional um procedure and it it was a law that was set up after Enron, and it was to do with um, destroying evidence, which is which was related to the financial destruction of records related to the Enron uh, scandal or the Enron fraud, um, and these. January 6 protesters have been charged under this this law which has nothing to do with the situation that happened in the capital because there were no documents destroyed there was no cover up of anything but they've twisted it to try and make it that this was an element of the um the interference in the um, process to certify the the electoral college votes. Well, it's going before the Supreme Court to challenge this, that this law has nothing to do with what happened with January 6th. And if that's the case, it'll throw out all the January 6th prisoners' Uh, convictions and and indictments and everything else. So I think there's a you're probably right. There's probably um, uh, a strategy here to drop this information 
at the perfect time to yep. support the legal cases that are going through. Yep. Gosh, Remember I have to dig deep for that one. <laughs> one what? more thing I want to say. Okay, go ahead. Um, they're putting out the threat now that Tucker won't be allowed back into America. So they're throwing that threat out now. Has anyone else heard it? Oh, yeah, they tried that. As soon as he announced the um, the interview, there were the Democrats shouting, he should be barred from coming back to America and everything. And so I is think, he back? And I think Putin said, well, it's all right, you can stay here. <laughs> <laughs> so is he back? I don't know. But the EU have said they they should ban Tucker from coming into Europe. I mean, the shit's scared. Yeah, Let's face it. Scare tactics. Yeah, no, also, I don't I don't know if he's back yet. I haven't seen anything on that subject. Okay. Also UN to me represents United Nazis. Mm-hmm. Black hats. That's about right. I, I'm done for the night, I hope. Why do you hope? <laughs> well, I don't want to take up time. Well, Dolly, I mean, you know, you got a mess. You said you'd come here to talk, so you should talk. You yes, that's true. You. I always feel guilty, though. But that's what? true, and I'm going to stop feeling guilty about it. Well, we don't let Walt talk at all. <laughs> I don't feel guilty at all. Nancy Buddy <laughs> is saying, I heard that they want to charge Tucker with espionage charges. Ooh, I didn't hear oh. that. They, they, you know, he knew when he went that he was going to get everything thrown at him. You know, it, it's it's just part yeah. of the story. I, I heard him say he, he is actually in threat of his life, too. So they are going to go after him. Yeah, but if he's who we think he is, he's being highly protected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I must say... Um, Starseed Astrology put out a, a tweet today to that effect based on Tucker's profile. I know we haven't got much time left, but I'll see if I can find it, actually, because that really um, suggests that he is another one that's protected just like Trump is. Uh just chat amongst yourselves, and I'll I'll find the tweet. Well, you know, it's it, 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 we, we got to believe that they're protected, because there's nothing we can do except <clears throat> put that thought out. You are protected. You are protected, and that oh, that yeah. you know, never mind the fact that there may be some three D protection. It's like, and we, thank you, huh? And thank you. You are She's, protected. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. I found it. Would you like to hear it? Yes, go ahead. Okay, the number eight repeated powerfully in Tucker Carlson's astrology on the day that he launched his, his historic Putin interview video, four times to be exact, 8888. At the time of the interview's launch, transiting Jupiter was at eight Taurus in trine to Tucker's Natal Zeus at eight Virgo. 
transiting Mars was at 26 Capricorn, which reduces to eight in numerology. In trying to Tucker's Natal, Jupiter at 26 Virgo, another numerological eight. Um, esoterically speaking, eight is a number that signifies power, transformation, alchemy and infinity. Uh, da -de -da -de -da. Uh, through Zeus, Mars and Jupiter, twice you can see 8888 secretly flashing in Tucker's astrology on a night that was historic for him and the world at large. Simply stated, I read this as a God code shining through Tucker's life into our world that is starved of truth, which Mr. Carlson is a powerful agent of. I sense that powerful global truth transformations will begin escalating at higher and higher levels as the months of 2024 pass, all in God's cosmic timing. Tucker's ninth house, truth, journalism, foreign affairs, fate at 27 Pisces was also activated by Mars via sextile at the time of the Putin interview launch a testament to Tucker's great courage and divinely fated action. Tucker Carlson is a free media king and he is crowned as such, while Jupiter, the planet of kings, actively transits his sign of Taurus. A massive blessing will come to him from God when Jupiter passes over his son at 25 Taurus in early May. I see him holding a golden scepter of power and authority. This next level Tucker was born through the Aries eclipse last year. And it talks about looking at another of his analyses, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. That's the reading on Tucker. Well, he's, he's, he's really, I mean, he's very he's, impressive. He's highly protected, it sounds mm. like. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to see some people with with balls, <laughs> with courage to actually put the truth out there, you know. Well, the, the, uh, the, odd, the odd thing is, is that the guy that replaced him, which is Jesse Waters, um, he's doing, he's, he's like a mini Tucker and doing very well at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, amazing to me to see that, I mean, I, I'm not missing Tucker like I was missing Tucker because Jesse's doing what he did. And in some ways, well, he does it with more humor, and but deeper cuts, let's say, into the truth. Mm -hmm. Here, let's take this, peel this, this, you know, skin off and see what's really underneath it. And it, that, that's been fun. Mm, absolutely. Fancy Buddy in chat has been saying about the fires in Moscow that happened after the Tucker interview. Did you hear about that? I mean, they were all over the place. Uh-huh. It's, it's like, you know, the message, don't you dare do this, share this truth, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't heard the thing, but I haven't. Yeah, I saw that. I've got guests. <laughs> yeah, well, I see a lot of this on Twitter, or X as it's now called. I get a lot of my news on there because it's kind of, you know, 
hot off the press in many cases. And she shared, she or he, I don't know who Fancy Buddy is, has shared a link about it. Emergency alert, massive fires in Moscow, Putin, Carlson interview reaction. So, yeah, I saw that. People. Well, this is this, this, that, good, good. Mm. You know? It's getting a reaction. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh-huh, interesting. So, um, Walt, is there anything you wanted to add or ask about? We got about six minutes. Um, no, I, I just we hearing everything. Everything super that uh, interesting and uh, and uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any. I don't have any questions right now. Sorry. You don't have to be saying you're sorry. That means we did our job. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I use you for a barometer on what some of the listeners may be thinking, you know. These <laughs> people crazy. No, I don't have any questions. <laughs> you seem to have covered it. So that's a good thing to me. <laughs> anyway. And Dolly, how about you? What am I saying good night? Well, sort of, but it's like, do you have anything else you wanted to add to the conversation or something? Oh. Well, I do want to share that I'm really glad that I got stronger this week so I could be here. And I want to thank you all out there who have sent me the love and healing blankets. I just, I want to thank you so much for that. Um, I get um, strength from y'all. And Annette sees it and is amazed. I'm very glad to hear it. And it was noticeable last week on the show the you know as she grew in strength from a very weak you know very tired and struggling beginning to you were in your power by the end it was lovely <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah and that's one of the times that Annette was so surprised mm. yeah well it was it was a huge difference um I I just like to to add something before we finish the show, and I'll do it very briefly. But there's more and more um, uh, opposition to the Who's Pandemic Treaty and the um, international health regulations, or whatever it's called. There was a, a big meeting in in Ireland um, this week. I didn't have time to share that on the show. Um, the who are panicking because so many people are saying no to it. And also the the farmers' protests have been very effective in the EU. Uh, they've pushed back, well, the EU has pulled back on some of the stupid net zero uh, regulations and um, financial hits on the farmers. So, you know, the main message is we have to stand up against these these are they, evil are they, people. Are they still push? Are they still pushing that thing with a, a zero carbon? Oh yeah, net zero. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but you know, people are waking up to it, and there's more and more um, articles about the whole climate change thing being completely unscientific. There's no scientific basis for it at all. And so, you know, the, the people are pushing back big time and saying we're not having it. 
So they're losing big time. And that's that's a good thing to end the show on. <laughs> We're winning, they're losing, you know, people power. So when they get zero carbon like they want, they'd have to stop farting. <laughs> If they get zero carbon, we're all dead. You know? I mean, <laughs> yes, that's on. true. Yeah, basic biology, which you know, I don't know if they teach it in schools anymore. But we breathe out oxygen. The no, we breathe out carbon dioxide. The plant kingdom takes the carbon dioxide in and it and expires oxygen, and it's a it's a virtuous circle. It's divinely designed to be that way. And as soon as you stop carbon, you kill the whole carbon-based planet. Carbon is considered the the gas of light. Yeah, exactly. We're taught. Thank you all for being here. We certainly appreciate you out there in listening land. And thank you guys for, you know, doing this show with me. Love you all. Be safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong.